You have arrived at your destination. Cartoon Junkie Brandon Jones here with a little solo episode. Just wanted to talk about uh, a little uh, documentary that I saw. Um, yeah, I hope you. Uh, I just it, I wanted to get it off my chest uh, talking about this thing because it was very interesting. Uh, it's been out for a little while now, and I finally got the chance to see it. It's kind of been an underground movie that Disney doesn't really want you to see, kind of a thing. Interestingly enough, but uh, it's called The Sweatbox. Very interesting. Um, documentary about uh basically the process of you know a disney movie kind of coming to light in the form of uh emperor's new groove and what that movie was prior to that which was kingdom of the sun um kingdom of the sun was then you know morphed and changed and uh it became emperor's new groove exactly what it was then so you know what it, what it came out to be in 2000 uh the process started in 1995 i think but I'll get to that in a minute. For now, I'd like to go into my animation recommendation, as typically we do on the show, um, which I think is going to be Justice League Dark Apocalypse. The new trailer for that uh, was put out um, pretty uh, pretty widespread available. Um, it looks like it's a, basically an offshoot of a, of a Justice League um, run after the New 52, um, I can't remember who was in charge of that run. I don't think it was a Snyder run. No, it was a Snyder run. It was a. It was a. It was a. Uh, not Zack Snyder. What is his name? Uh, uh, Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder, who did Batman, and then he was put onto Justice League, and he did the whole thing where uh, the Justice League fought Apocalypse, and Batman got into uh, the chair, uh, Metron's chair. And I guess asked the question about who the Joker was, and then it became there were three Jokers. It was a weird thing that's finally being paid off in the comics. I think this year, oddly enough. Um, but uh, you know, they're doing that shared universe movie. Um, it this seems to incorporate all of those teams because the Titans will be there. Justice League Dark will be the main focus, which is interesting enough, and the Justice League will obviously be there as well. So um, this has kind of been morphed into a Justice League Dark kind of movie. It was a Justice League uh, comic book thing, but uh, it looks very interesting. It's got it's got all the ones that you've seen from the other, um, you know, the other uh, uh, um, Justice League movies, the the Teen Titans versus Justice League, Justice League Dark. Uh, Justice or Superman, uh, the death, the death of Superman and Reign of the Superman, that whole uh, shared universe type thing. Batman Bloodlines. We finally get to see Batgirl in action. She kind of showed up at the end of Batman, uh, uh, bl- uh, Bad Blood. Sorry, Batman Bad Blood. He, uh, she showed up at the end of there and hadn't really seen her since then. So we get to see her, uh, Barbara Gordon um, version of uh, Batgirl from the, I guess, the Burnside run from. Uh, New 52, well, the second launch of New 52, so Rebirth. I guess it was a Rebirth one. Who even knows? Uh, but yeah, so it looks interesting. Uh, it looks pretty fun, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic type 
uh, stuff going on, so should be pretty fun for the Justice League to take on. And that is our animation recommendation. Other news out there. Uh, uh, season 3 of DuckTales is coming April 10th, so not too long from now we'll get a third season of DuckTales, and I don't think I've talked about the first two seasons of DuckTales on this show, which is sad. I think I talked about the premiere which happened a few months prior to season one, but uh, the new image looks interesting. Um, they all have uh, new looks. Uh, Mrs. Beakley is back in her uh, purple uh, housekeeper uniform, interestingly enough. Maybe she's retired uh, from the whole um, secret agent thing, I guess. Uh, you've got um, Scrooge McDuck. He's in his classic blue and red from the cartoon. He was in his old-school comic book red and black uh, smoking jacket, I guess is what it is. Uh, and now he's got that, and he's, of course, got his uh, his classic uh, blue-tinted black uh, top hat with red uh, lining. So uh, that's pretty cool. And, of course, the boys all kind of have their blue, green, and red um, uh, design. And it looks like Donald's wearing his old-school sailor uniform, so... Uh, or his cartoon sailor uniform, because it was even more old school back when it was the black one. Uh, but yeah, so season three of DuckTales coming April 10th. Super excited about that. Love that show. It's basically Gravity Falls with DuckTales, so it's perfect. Um, we are getting some Hunter x Hunter, or Hunter Hunter, as it's known uh, canonically. Um, Funko Pops. Uh, we've got Gone, we've got Leorio, we've got... Uh, Kurapika, we've got uh, we've got Kilua, and we've got Hisoka. Um, I think one more, perhaps, which is very interesting. Nope, just those five, it seems. Uh, maybe Gone with a sh yeah, shirtless Gone as well. So, or well, tank top Gone. Um, so that should be pretty cool. Um, despite the everlasting hiatus of that manga, um, we have gone all through 2019 without a single issue of uh hunter hunter coming out in shonen jump so very sad um but uh, the pops look pretty good uh, i'm not a pop collector but i might pick these up because again it's you know it's hunter hunter merch maybe i want to support that i don't know but we'll see how that goes uh, other thing we've got, we've got uh, Connected, the official trailer of Connected. This was originally pitched as Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh, it's about a family uh, that goes on a road trip uh, as their daughter is moving off to college, and the dad thinks that the family doesn't connect very well because they're all looking at machines and looking at the looking at their uh, phones and all that stuff. Um, and uh, you know, the daughter is just sort of like, "You don't understand. This is how we connect." Blah blah blah. Um, but then, as they're doing that, uh, some robots sort of take over the world, I guess. So technology kind of goes all Skynet, and they have to basically combat all that. This is a uh, Miller and Lord, uh, 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 Lord and Miller uh, uh, production. So the guys that are behind the uh, Lego. Uh, Lego movie, everything like that. So, which is pretty cool. It, it looks really interesting. Um, it's um, it's a Paramount animation, I think. I think it's Paramount. No, Sony Pictures. It's Sony Animation. Sorry. Um, so, Sony Animation. Um, uh, it, it looks very interesting. The the way the uh, it looks, it looks like very. It's very. Uh, into the spider into the spider verse type of uh, style, not entirely that way, but you have three D models, and then it's sort of like uh, very drawn on, painted on, cell shaded uh, emotion, uh, you know, e e emotion onto the characters. Um, uh, 
you know, faces and everything. So it has a very unique look, uh, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a fun, good family time kind of movie. So looks very interesting. Uh, the character, the characters look very interesting. I like it when you sort of uh, they they keep a very cartoonish uh, look to them. Very, you know, very bold uh shapes to their to their faces and everything and i think that's always good because uh you know i when when you when you stray away from the thing that's always happening i think it's good to uh you know uh you know just stretch out and 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 look different from other things and it does look pretty different so uh looks pretty interesting uh, another one which doesn't look amazing. This is the Paramount Pictures one. Uh, Rumble coming in 2021 about monsters that fight, I guess. Uh, the idea of this looks more interesting than the movie itself, I guess. Um, but it's got uh, Will Arnett and uh, some other people in it. Uh, basically, it's a big wrestling or boxing type of movie, but they're all these big giant monsters, and like they're training this one guy to, I guess, fight the Will Arnett character, um, and I guess his name is Rumble, or maybe the Rumble is the name of the thing. I can't remember. Uh, it it the concept again seemed more interesting than the movie itself, but I might check it out. It it seems like at least it's worth a watch to kind of see what they do with it. It kind of feels like. They took that idea from uh, Love, Death, and Robots, um, uh, the first uh, the first uh, uh, skit of that one. Skit, I guess it's not really a comedy, but the first uh, anthology story of that of the Love, Death, and Robots, and kind of made it a whole thing. So, and a little more kid friendly, obviously. So, looks interesting. I think uh, I'll probably check it out, and uh, I think that's it for the news oh tomorrow uh actually today you'll be listening to this today uh new galaxy of adventures uh for star wars will be premiering tomorrow on uh, star wars kids youtube channel so more of those coming out um and the other big news is uh we are now available on spotify so we have uh i have a new um i was enlightened on a new uh uh nice little uh app called anchor and we're on there giving that a try um seems like we're doing pretty okay uh i'm enjoying the uh the dashboard of it pretty well um but yeah anchor uh so i'll still be on on soundcloud still be on uh exactly where it's at on um uh you'll still find it on uh um uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes and all that stuff, but we are also, thanks to Anchor, we are able to broadcast out to a bunch of other things, such as Spotify. Spotify is kind of hard to get onto if you don't have an account, so this kind of helps with that, to putting that out. So we're, we're on Spotify, which is a big growing uh, audience. It's a big growing audience for podcasts. It's not just for music anymore. Lots of people are using it. Uh, Breaker as well, Google Podcasts, which we were already on, and now we're uh, sort of still on it, I guess. I'm assuming it's probably just... Uh, linking directly to where that was, um, Overcast, which I've never heard of before, and Radio Public. We are on all of these platforms, uh, which is pretty great. So, um, yeah, uh, should be good for more ways to get to the podcast. If you like this podcast too, by the way, please go out and share it. I think it would be great uh, if you went out and shared with anybody that you want to hear this thing. Uh, I I love doing this podcast. 
it doesn't cost me any money to do this podcast at all, so it's not really that big a deal, but I, I love giving new people uh, a chance to listen to me talk about cartoons and, and talk about cartoon history and stuff like that, like we're talking about today. Uh, you know, the, lo- the lost movie of Kingdom of the Sun, almost. Uh, so, yeah, uh, please go check us out and all of those things, and of course, subscribe, like, comment, uh, go to a Facebook page and, you know, talk, uh, talk to your friends, let them know that this stuff is uh is out there let it, you know if you if you like listening to this thing and you think somebody else will like listening to it give give me give us a shout out and hopefully we'll we'll, we'll get there uh we'll get there eventually so uh there we go guys thanks for uh indulging my little ad space there uh but now we're gonna go into our discussion of the sweat box by uh, uh, Sting's wife, actually. Uh, Sting, the, uh, the musician, uh, bass player for the police. Um, so The Sweatbox is this interesting little documentary that is not available officially anywhere. Um, it was leaked out to the public on in 2012, interestingly enough. It was, I think... Done entirely in 1997 um, by director uh, Roger Allens uh, and um, uh, no, sorry, uh, Roger Allens is the director of the of the movie uh, Kingdom of the Sun. Uh, but yeah, so it, the, the the Sweatbox is 2002 uh, documentary film, uh, and it's very interesting. Uh, it, it, it sort of centers around Sting's involvement with the Emperor's New Groove. Sting did write the music for Emperor's New Groove. There's only one musical number left in it, and that is the Cusco number at the beginning uh, that Tom Jones sings. That was written uh, by, as was written and composed by Sting, uh, and he did a lot of other songs for this movie that never got into it because by the time Emperor's New Groove came out, oddly enough, even though it was called Emperor's New Groove. Uh, you know, oddly enough, it was no longer a musical. It wasn't going to be a traditional uh, Disney musical type thing. But uh, what's interesting about it is just this whole process of what you you get to see basically the whole process of being in the sweat box of uh, at Disney, which is um, a term that was coined, I think, from way back in the day when you would just work on something really. Hard. I can't. I think it was maybe the editor's room, and the editor's room didn't have any air conditioning, so they just called that the sweat box. So basically, any time that you're going in to, to get your big edits cut, you're you're going in there to have all the big wigs look at the movie that you've been working on and all the concepts you've been pitching and all the storyboards you've been throwing out there. Uh, and they basically are going to go in there and, you know, sweat it out and see if your movie is going to be what it was by the end of it. Um, uh, interestingly enough, this movie kind of has like different takes uh, from certain people. Uh, Amid Amidi, uh, who is uh, is uh, Cartoon Brew's uh, editor-in-chief, who I have lots of great things to say about all the time. Now, uh, you know, I, he, he's a very polarizing figure in a lot of ways, but uh, he also doesn't... Um, he, 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 the thing, the thing that mid does, he, he likes to fight for, um, he likes to fight for, for animators and, you know, animation, uh, people in the animation industry. So, and animation is typically a hard type of, uh, uh it's a very hard industry, uh, to be in, you know, it's like you, you end up working late hours, you, you, you kind of get screwed out of a lot of credit for a lot of things. Uh, animation gets a lot of uh, weird um, non-credit from the movie industry in a lot of ways, and uh, Amid likes to fight for that sort of thing, but 
I think he goes a little overboard a lot of the times and, uh, you know, sort of crosses over into the absurd in a lot of ways. Uh, he he basically saw this movie and said the sweat box turns into infuriating, hilarious, and lightning. And enlightening. You'll cringe in sympathy when Disney artists, uh, as you see gross, uh, as you see the gross bureaucratic incompetence they had to endure while working at the studio in the 1990s. Um, you know, the film not only captures the torture morphing of the Kingdom of the Sun into the Emperor's New Groove, it also serves as an invaluable historical document about Disney's animation operations in the late 1990s. If any questions remain about why Disney fizzled out of create, uh, creatively, fizzled out creatively and surrounded its feature from animation crowned Pixar uh, the, and DreamWorks, this film will answer them. I think that is a vastly unfair uh, take on uh, on how this goes um one would say some of their most uh because i would personally say one could argue that most of their renaissance uh big time uh movies such as aladdin and little mermaid and beauty and the beast and all of these things went through extensive changes through this same process uh and did not become the actual polished uh thing they were uh, until all of those things happened. There were concepts in Aladdin that were completely changed from the beginning. Uh, Aladdin's mother was a character for a long time. Princess Jasmine was a bratty princess, at the be- a spoiled brat at the beginning of that. Um, you know, the, the, the things, the, the genie had unlimited wishes, which sort of breaks the whole line of the, of the movie in a lot of ways. Um, you also have uh, uh, Three Amigos-style friendship uh, group that Aladdin has that are like they're all his buddies and they even have a musical number there's tons of musical numbers that are cut from that movie uh, throughout this whole process just like this was um, now this one did get a big as you watch the sweatbox you will see that like the, a big swath of it did get uh, changed and cut and, and mixed around and stuff like that but a lot of it um, comes from a very uh, I think a very uh, reasonable take from from very famous directors in uh, in Disney like very famous directors and and, and uh, producers from in Disney uh, who know how to polish and grind down a story into something that's real um, there was another reporter who said uh, the movie was more of a, a too many kicks, cooks in the kitchen story about a sensitive creative types uh, and the people in charge that have to tell them no. So that's the other take uh, from a rich Jizawak, I think, from Gawker. Um, less I said about Gawker, the better. That's a dead sight. But still, you know, that, that that's another harsh criticism from the other part of it. Um, it's And I think it's I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle, honestly. Um, even Sting is kind of land somewhere in the middle of his of his time with Disney, you know. So um, it's it's very it's very intriguing. Uh, it centers a lot around the music that he was writing for it. Um, they brought him in early because they wanted to have a good musician. You know, you just you're coming off a of lion, you know, Lion King back in 1993. Uh, You've got you're you're wanting to create another big Disney Renaissance taking place in a Renaissance style movie taking place in um, uh, uh, South America. Uh, so that he went to the uh, the Incan style um, 
you know, uh, stuff. The director, sorry, the director was Roger Allers, um, you know, who was, you know, it's a big, big director. He directed, known for The Lion King, Open Season, lots of stuff. Lion King mainly, that was his big one. Uh, so you'd think that he would get kind of open range on what he's doing, but, uh, you know, a lot of the, so basically what he had, he wanted to do a Prince and the Popper story, but then he decided he also wanted to do this, uh, this Incan, uh, you know, uh, Kingdom of the Sun style thing, but throw in, uh, uh, the, the, the twin Prince and the Popper type story. So you have, uh, you know, you have, uh, Owen Wilson as, as one of the characters who's not in, uh, uh, Emperor's New Groove, but he was there recording things with uh, Kingdom of the Sun, uh, along with David Spade, who was the, you know, Manco, I think was his name, uh, before it was Cusco, he was Manco, and then there was Pacha, who was his twin, um, and they do a whole switcheroo kind of, uh, kind of situation, Prince and the Popper style, um, so that Cusco doesn't have to run the country, and then this guy kind of comes in, he's, like, way more sensitive to people, he's not a brat, and then, uh, I think there's two love interests that get involved in the whole thing, uh, two other love interests that I think were then merged for a character that was in the Emperor's New Grew, New School animated series, which came, like, six years after the movie, maybe seven years after the movie, my goodness, maybe nine years, it might have been 2009 when that came out, that, uh, Emperor's New School. That was a very odd thing, but um, they took kind of those two characters and melded her into one for this uh, for this other one. But so that was very interesting to know that there were other characters. All these character designs are well available uh, if you type in Sweatbox or Kingdom of the Sun. All these things are very available. You'll see Owen Wilson's character. You'll see, but the llama thing is still also a thing, uh, and Isma is also a character. Isma is pretty much the one that kind of stayed pretty the same throughout the whole thing as was Cusco uh with David Spade um Yzma you know uh still voiced by Eartha Kitt in the original um and they all had songs like Eartha Kitt had a song for this and it's widely available it's called Snuff Out the Light it's a really good villain song um, and it's a real shame that, uh, that you, you, that that was never one that got put out. Cause I think Yzma would have been sort of, she's not really known as being one of the big Disney villains in a lot of ways, because, uh, if you know this, a new Emperor's New Groove is sort of Disney's comedy movie. Um, you know, they sort of just like put a lot of good comedy timing into it. And that's, that's basically the, the idea they went with. Uh, to make this thing. You had David Spade as the comedic actor. You changed Pacha's character entirely to a completely different character who was a villager, uh, played by John Goodman. So, you know, he's kind of the heart of the movie now. Um, you, uh, He's kind of the conscience of the movie. You have uh, Patrick Warburton as Kronk, who is like the biggest, most famous character from that movie, I would say. That's everybody's favorite character is Kronk, uh, the, the, the doofy henchman of Yzma. Um, but... Very interesting to see all these things sort of take place, and um, you know they had to change all the music uh, all the time, and the, the, that was kind of the frustration with Sting is that he wrote all this music early on. He wrote all these songs, these songs about the sun, Isma wanting to snuff out the sun, the reason that she's doing this, um, you know, uh, these the, this this buddy duet between two people, like lots of you know between uh, the two main characters. 
all these songs that he made, uh, there was another character entirely that was played by, um, uh, oh man, I forget the dude's name, but uh, he's played by the, the, the really super gravelly-voiced gay dude from um, from Mrs. Doubtfire. I forget that actor's name, I apologize, uh, but he plays a little sun god, which is a little, like, little, uh, little amulet that lives on, uh, that, 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 uh, that is on a... An am- he's a little amulet rock that lives with uh, with Pacha or like around his neck. I'm not sure what his significance in the movie is. Um, I know the lot of it centers around the sun and uh, you know the the Incan culture about how the sun is this you know obviously like this big life giver or whatever. And then there's Isma who doesn't like the sun because it ages her. It ages her skin and she wants eternal youth. Very interesting uh, kind of dynamic there. Not at all what Yzma turns out to be. Yzma just turns out to sort of be uh, an evil schemer who wants to run the country. That's pretty much all she became in Emperor's New Groove. But in this, she had a she had a, a mortician father. This is all within her song. You should definitely go listen to it because Eartha Kitt has a song in a Disney movie and it didn't get made. That's the biggest shame of the whole thing because her motivation changed entirely. And that's the frustration Sting had was that as the as the changes came along. As all these changes started happening to the script, he basically just had to completely uh, change up all of these um, you know, all of these songs, or or rip them out entirely. Uh, the only one that got to stick around was Cusco's uh, main theme, which was one of the later ones that he had that he did, and then all the other ones got cut out. Um, that said, he still got to compose a lot of it and do a lot of the... There was, I think, another song that nobody actually sings in the movie, but it's Sting actually... It's actually a Sting song that just plays over it. Um, you know, very, very interesting to watch this process. Uh, but y- y- I think that this, this is where I think it becomes fair in a lot of ways. You have... Uh, a prince in the pauper story, but also uh, the the king turning into a llama. You also have Isma trying to take over the the country. You also have two love interests for both of the main characters, and you have an ancient uh, rock god that lives on Pacha's neck. And there's so much going on, and that was the initial uh, note that you kind of get from the first round of edits in this documentary. The the main producer is just like, dude, I have no idea who I'm supposed to be rooting for like none of this is working uh it's crazy it's uh, thomas schumacher and peter schneider i think peter schneider's the first one to give these harsh criticisms like right off the bat he's just like i have no idea who i'm supposed to care about in this whole thing and i can probably see where that was coming from because you have this guy who's being creative and he wants to get all these all these things down and and it's just like it feels like it's probably too much and then you have a guy saying like dude there's too much here we need to cut this down now you know, it's it's probably pretty harsh to like just get everything off the you know like like to basically take all the stuff off the off the table for you, and then uh, Roger Allers just ends up not directing the movie at all. They literally take him off, and I think Peter Snyder ends up directing the whole thing. Um, uh, somebody got brought in to be a director for it. I, I can't remember quite what happens. I don't want to spoil the whole thing in the movie, obviously as well. Uh, but he got you know uh, you know. Uh, Roger Allers uh, basically got kicked off the project after the second round of edits, I think. Uh, I guess probably because he wasn't really willing to compromise it and, 
you know, and he, he kind of has this really bad uh, memory of it because it's like, you know, ah, oh, man, it's just a, he would hear people say like, you know, ah, oh, don't get it down, man, it's just a movie, and he's like, yeah, I guess, you know, Picasso would say it's just a painting or something like that. You know, when you, when you get involved in something and you really want to make something, you can definitely understand, like, you know, here's a guy who made the Lion King for for Disney, and they they they're they're corralling this guy, the guy who made the Lion King, one of the most successful movies of all time, and and uh, you know he had to basically they had to cut him out of this movie entirely. They weren't able to make he wasn't able to make the movie that was in his head, and it was something else entirely that got made. Certainly a movie with a lot of heart. I, I like Emperor's New Groove. I didn't. It's it's not one that's well remembered as one of the Renaissance movies. It's more during their slide down. Uh, you know, towards open range, open range, which is just sort of a a, a blah, meh, do nothing movie, um, along with Chicken Little. It's it's during around that time, that early against two thousand year two thousand. So it's that early time and a five year process. Things just get whittled down. But uh, I think Emperor's New Groove is a legitimately funny movie. I think it is a, it is a clever movie in a lot of ways, uh, and it's also Disney's only real full-on comedy which is interesting because you don't really get full-on comedies from disney you you'll, you'll typically have comedy in it but there's never an actual full-on comedy so you went from your standard disney fair to this other thing that is entirely unique um and probably a little more streamlined in a lot of ways um and he also got john goodman in there uh which i think is always a good thing um but it was very weird to, to, to have other people kind of in the process of, like, you know, being told, like, hey, this got cut. Hey, that got cut. Hey, that got cut. Uh, you know, Andreas Deja, who's one of the best character design or character uh, animators at Disney, who animated for Jafar, who animated for Gaston, who animated for Scar. He animated for Yzma, and a lot of the original concepts that he developed for it were just cut because the conversations that she even had were completely cut from her and she became a more comedic character the way he had her she was very seductive in a lot of ways and then when it finally ended it was like which is kind of weird because eartha kit has a very seductive voice but then by the time you get it she's just sort of like a crazy old lady who's just kind of funny you know she's not very seductive in any way um so it's a completely different character so what he animated was totally different from what the character ended up being so a lot of deja's work just didn't really shine out um there was also one character animator who was doing pacha's wife um and that character was written out and written back in about four separate times uh, which is very interesting. So, in fact, they were given more, she was given more stuff to do, and then written out again, and then more stuff to do, and then written out again. Uh, you know, so it, this one, I'm sh like, I don't know, I don't have a reference for all of the things that happened uh, during that time, but it seems to me like um, this one was probably a little bit more um, non you know, unstable than most of the other productions. Uh, I don't know that for sure because, you know, again, Aladdin had a lot that was different. Lion King had a lot that was different too, but, um, you know, uh, Aladdin had a lot of things that was cut out of it. And I think people would be surprised to know that all of the th stuff that was cut out of Aladdin or things that were changed to make that, you know, the, the Renaissance classic that it was. And I imagine that the same process went for a lot of things, but this one seems to be very much like, eh, we're not sure how far they got along with things and 
before things were cut out but um and by the end of it sting seemed to be like on the positive end because he even said like as much as i hated having a lot of the restrictions and having a lot of the art cut and all a lot of the you know because when you're an art when you're a uh when you're a musician you you want to you want to you get things cut out you get things cut you get things slashed and you know and, and it stinks but each time he went back to the song he thought the song was better each time he went back to it because he got to do it again he got to improve it and, and do it to this other end you know and said i you know that and and ultimately i think it was a good experience to to, to have experienced that so uh, i appreciate sting having a having a very good outlook as as to what happened because you know it can't feel good having your songs that you worked on for so long just get cut from the movie entirely and basically only two stayed in um that that, that 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 has to be a little bit brutal but even then it, there was there was a very cool conversation between sting and and uh, and and roger roger allers when he was basically telling like hey cut this line out and uh, and reduce this part down to this and it's just like sting being the musician is sort of like you know like animators want things to be punchy but you know it's like you you know you, you when you when you take something out then the story of the narrative of the song doesn't flow as well so you have to keep that part in and he 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 flippantly just kind of says at one point you know just animate that part too and it's just like in animation you have to be punchy you have to be able to to get things out in a in a simple easy definable manner um so it was very funny to hear him say something that like kind of flippant about animation it's like oh yeah just animate more that's that's how simple it is but you know he he kind of understood and had to you know cut things out and obviously it was you know a little bit hard but it's a very interesting documentary i recommend anybody go see it you can it's not officially available anywhere i don't think disney wants this thing released at all i think they have it canned it was released in 2012 just leaked out to the internet um it's typically on youtube uh if you go out and look and look for it on youtube just type in the sweat box it's about an hour and 30 minutes it's a great little documentary it has the little time bar at the bottom of it it has no graphical like uh you know title cards or credit card credits uh sequences at all you know it's very very low key type of documentary because it didn't have a whole lot of the flourishes because it never got finished so but it's very interesting i definitely recommend it to everybody uh if you definitely want to see like the the changing of the guard and the and the tides that changed from the production of what this thing was to what it ended up being completely different movies in a lot of ways other than like a few handful of things that stuck around such as um uh, you know uh david spade uh voicing the main uh, Prince, whose name changed, along with uh, Isma, who was the the main villain. That's pretty much the only things that stayed the same. Even their motivations kind of switched up almost entirely, and the plot, you know, changed in a lot of ways too. Apart from there being a llama, uh, but that's gonna do it, guys. I, I hope you I hope you check it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't spoil everything. There's lots of cool stuff to watch about it, and you know, to watch that process, I think, is a fun thing. If you if you really want to know the the animation process in of Disney in the early '90s, I think it's a lot fun to, to watch out so uh but that's gonna do it guys appreciate you for joining me on this uh solo episode uh we'll be getting back to the guest episodes again uh i think castlevania hit uh netflix this past week so we'll probably be recording that as well we also have a lot of anime to cover uh i gotta get with uh steven he's really hyped up about doing anime but you know we got all the best anime from last year that we can talk about vinland saga and demon slayer and all that good stuff uh, Steven Universe Future is back again. I don't know how many more episodes we're going to get 
of that, but we're definitely coming back when that finishes off because um, we don't have a whole lot left of Steven Universe. So I'd like to finish that off as well and uh, got some other stuff uh, to definitely cover uh, pretty soon here. So thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, as always, check us out at Animation Destination on Facebook and check us out at uh, animationdestination.com and on Twitter at animationpod and destinationcomics.com slash DNN. And you can also now find us on Spotify and on Anchor and all that good stuff. So please check us out. Please share, share, like, subscribe, do all that stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about, uh, you know, more, more people listening and getting, getting out there and getting onto different platforms because it's been a lot of fun uh, talking uh, animation with everybody. And I hope to continue doing it for a long time. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. And we'll be back next week. Stay tuned. <laughs>